everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills even accurate? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. And welcome to the program. The big speech is tonight from the President of the United States, Joseph R. Biden. Oh, get ready, folks. You are about to be steeped in a stew of spending that you have you've never imagined in your lives. I, I am I am breathless at the amount of spending and tax increases and fundamental transformation that is going to uh, be proposed tonight. The good news is, the good news is, and I I will give you the silver lining up front here, the good news is Joe Biden has almost no chance of enacting much of this. Uh, So much of this is excessive. So much of this is unpopular, uncalled for, undesired by the broad spectrum of Americans across the fruited plain that that I am I am confident to the extent that I can know this, that much of this that he's going to talk about tonight is aspirational, has been aspirational for, for the better part of 40 years. But it doesn't mean that the press isn't going to try to sell it and he's not going to try to sell it and the pressure isn't going to come on the Republicans. It is going to come. Now, this is going to be sold to you as a triumphant first 100 days of uh, of Biden's presidency, a, a, a victory lap with a pathway forward because he's already... He's already checked so many boxes. We went through the boxes just a couple of days ago. He has uh, gotten the vaccine rollout uh, going. Oh, wait, no, that was President Trump that got the vaccine rollout. So he continued the vaccine rollout that he inherited and he got that going. And now we've got 100 million plus people who have gotten the vaccine, although now it's starting to taper off and people are starting to say, I don't know if I want to get it. And that caused Joe Biden yesterday to go out at the at the White House with his mask on. (laughs) tell you it's okay to take your mask off outside then put his mask back on and walked uh, towards the uh, towards the white house again all by himself but he has he has set up an expectation tonight that this is going to be the second coming of fdr 
And it's really, there's there's no way to put it other than that. This is going to be the second coming of FDR. Joe Biden and Democrats broadly, and, and, and some of them in the House of Representatives, including likely Joe Biden, uh, remember the 1930s d- distinctly. They, they remember the Great Depression. Nancy Pelosi, Pat Leahy, Joe Biden. They remember those days of the 1930s, the grapes of wrath, if you will. Uh, and they think that this is the 1930s all over again. They think America is absolutely uh, uh, on the on the brink of collapse if we don't do all of this massive spending. And the fact of the matter is they're wrong. They're wrong on a couple of counts. Number one, Joe Biden thinks this is the 1930s. It's not. Much of the economy is still in in fine shape if you'll just have these unelected bureaucrats and many dictators reopen businesses across the country. Number two, if you just get the federal government out of the way and, and stop the subsidization of non-work, you have people who are running small businesses, medium businesses, larger businesses, independent businesses who are unable to compete with Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam is bidding out uh, non-work at 1400 bucks a week or 600 bucks a week, and the businesses that desperately need to hire people are unable to match that. It is a complete unfairness when you look at the free market economics that we ought to be enjoying. But I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that yet, but it's important to understand Joe Biden thinks it's the 1930s, but he thinks he can pay for all of this with the economy that Donald Trump had in 2019 before the coronavirus came to our shores. And that's the important thing to think about. Uh, Biden and Harris think they can spend like it's 2019, but they want you to believe it's 1936. And that's what's going to happen tonight. They're going to come out and they're going to try to sell this stuff to you as being an imperative. Everything he's going to propose is optional. He's not going to mention border security. He's not going to mention getting people back to work. He's not going to mention any of that. This is spend, spend, spend as far as the eye can see. And we certainly want to get your thoughts as we preview this speech coming up tonight at 800-282-2882 to be a part of that conversation. One of the points that we have to know right out of the box is this is going to be a much pared down environment to give the speech. They're behind the Iron Curtain there on the Capitol. You've got the fencing and all that stuff still up. The razor wire um, has been uh, removed at, at points, but you've got a massive presence of the National Guard. You've got you've got all these hundreds of people that are going to be going in there uh, to hear the speech, but it's it's not the hundreds of people you would think. I heard a number earlier today that said, eh, typically you'll get like 1,500 people crammed in for, the, uh, for, for, for a, a State of the Union address. This is going to have about 200. And it was Marco Rubio on Fox and Friends yesterday uh, talking about the absurdity of this pared down speech that's going to be given tonight relative to what happened back during the crowded impeachment proceedings. It's interesting when it came to like coming together to impeach Donald Trump for the second time after he was out of office, they put 100 senators in the same room sitting just inches apart for hours at a time over five or six days. Apparently COVID was not an issue then. But now, of course, for, for something like this, well, we can't have that many people in a room sitting next to each other. So as a result, they're going to have about 200 people there in attendance. You, you will have the representative of the judicial branch be Chief Justice John Roberts and, uh, and a crowd of dozens uh, to, to, to watch uh, this speech, which is not a State of the Union address, obviously. It's a joint address uh, to the two houses of, of Congress that are brought together or, or a, 
a joint address to a few representatives and senators who will be in attendance at the speech. But the optics are what matter most to uh, to television, uh, especially your progressive, your your liberal channels, uh, MSNBC and CNN, who keep pointing out the fact that Joe Biden will be standing on the dais and behind him will be Kamala Harris, the vice president and Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, two women. Well, that's that's an interesting note about uh, about the speech that's going to be given tonight. But the really interesting thing is the profligate trillions of dollars in spending that are going to be offered up. One of the areas they're going to be focusing on tonight is the notion of free preschool and subsidized college, basically free college, free, 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 free. It's for me, me, me. It's going to be an unbelievable thing. Uh, He's encouraging people to get out there and to get in college, stay in college, get those degrees, do the things you need to do to get those those phenomenal social studies degrees, those 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 STEM degrees, if you can find them. And he wants to subsidize in a big way junior college. He's uh, saying, listen, you need to have access to those junior colleges uh, to get the education that you so desperately need across the country. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, coming out uh, talking about uh, maybe some of the offerings you might have at some of these junior colleges. What's this free junior college going to be like? What is it going to teach? Uh, can you get a an undergraduate degree in wokeness uh, or a critical race theory? Uh, meanwhile, the Chinese are getting degrees in engineering and in science. The Chinese are not still, you know, locked down in many places. Uh, they're open for business and figuring out how to dominate uh, the rest of the world. I'm talking about the CCP, the PRC. But uh, Joe Biden's coming out here with with a whole list of of expectations. You are familiar with so many of them. You are familiar with so many of what it is that he is offering. Uh, he is looking to hire 100,000 teachers. He is looking to uh, rebuild the decimated ranks of union uh, teachers and educators out there across the uh, country. He is looking for universal preschool for all three and four-year-olds. Why not two-year-olds, Joe? Why not? President Biden calling for a national partnership with states to offer free, high-quality, accessible, inclusive preschool to all three and four-year-olds, benefiting five million children and Saving an average family $13,000, but we're going to be spending trillions to save the average family $13,000, and many of those average families are going to be seeing their taxes uh, rising, and they're going to be seeing less opportunity with jobs as businesses choose not to expand or the investor class uh, chooses not to expand because of the capital gains tax hikes. We've got a president who's going to be speaking tonight and is going to propose a 40% top tax rate. It's 39.6 is where he's looking to go for, quote, the richest to pay their, quote, fair share. He's also looking at raising corporate taxes to 28 percent and capital gains taxes to almost 40 percent. There is nothing to induce people to go out and take their capital and take risks. And yet and yet and yet you'll hear the complaints from the progressive left. They'll talk about the need to pay your fair share. Um, Andrew Cuomo was crying poor mouth once upon a time when he was worried about Donald Trump's tax cuts that didn't allow people to write off their their salt deductions there uh, on those houses that are in states like New York and New Jersey and Illinois and and um, in, in the big blue states. Well, Andrew Cuomo, once upon a time, admitted the truth about taxes. 
It's not salt driving out people, Governor Cuomo. It's your own independent tax rate, your irresponsible spending, and the fact that you've kept coming back and coming back and coming back and soaking the rich over and over and over again, and there's nothing to show for it. You've got a crumbling infrastructure. You've got a widening income back. You've got income gap. You've got nothing to show for all this money that you've been collecting. So now here is Cuomo admitting what you never hear a Democrat admit, what you never hear a leftist admit. One percent of the taxpayers Speed it pay up. nearly half of all the taxes. Top five percent, 63 percent of all the revenue. Top 10 percent, 74 percent of all the revenue. Tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. We did. Now, God forbid the rich leave. Before SALT, a New York City taxpayer paid about 45%. After SALT, that tax increase goes up about 12%. A taxpayer in Florida would see no increase, probably would see a decrease, and Florida also has the advantage of no estate tax. This is going to be the tipping point. Right, and you don't see Florida running out of money the way you people are with no state income tax and no estate tax. That's why I fled down here in 1997. Right on, El Rushpo. Look, we're going to do a deep dive into taxes today because that's what all this spending is ultimately going to result in. Plenty more straight ahead. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on The Rush Limbaugh Show. Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on The Rush Limbaugh Show. I will clarify what I... What I said right up front about the fact that much of this agenda will not be successful that Joe Biden is going to propose. And I'll give you details on that in in just a little bit. But let's take a deep dive, a deep dive into what it is that he's trying to, to pull off. Okay, we know that the economy of the United States of America has its money, has its money created by the investor class. And investors, broadly speaking, the reason why you have an Apple, a Google, why you have a Tesla, why you have an Uber, why you have any of the uh, uh, the big companies that are offering services that you and I buy every single day. The reason why those exist is because there was capital that was willing to be invested in those companies. And when those companies came out of the venture capital phase and then went into the the uh, the the free market uh, move into the stock market and the uh, initial public offerings, you had investors, not just billionaires and trillionaires, right? But you had individuals and you had IRAs and 401ks willing to invest in those companies to grow those companies so they would be successful. The problem is of orientation. The orientation of the Biden administration and liberals broadly is that all the money in the country belongs to the government. It just does. They let you have some of it. They let you use some of it. But at the end of the day, it all comes from the government and they control where that money goes. That's that's their orientation. They they may not admit that to you, but that's what they think. We as free people believe that money is ours. The money we earn in exchange for our labor or the profits we reap in exchange for our investments belongs to us. So what does Joe Biden do? He comes out with this American families plan. The $1.8 trillion American Families Plan filled with everything you could possibly want. Mostly not. Biden wants Congress to approve federal funding for national child care to cap family expenditures to 7% of income. $200 billion for universal pre-K 
for two and three year olds and four year olds paid family leave and one hundred and nine billion dollars for two years of tuition free community college, among other domestic priorities as part of a Democratic vision for a more prosperous and competitive and innovative America. How does universal pre-K get you a more prosperous and competitive and innovative America? Well, because people can drop their kids off and, and go to work and more people can come out and go to work because the kids are now in the care of a, of a publicly controlled uh, uh, you know, program to educate them in age two, three and four. That exists now. It's called daycare. You can actually, you actually take a child and enroll them in daycare. You can take them to pre-K. That exists right now, but he wants to create a government-driven system. We know what happens when the government drives those systems. They become incredibly bloated and expensive and taken over by unions. We also know the president's plan proposes investing $225 billion over a decade for comprehensive paid family and medical leave with partial wage replacement, rising to a guaranteed 12 weeks by the end of an envisioned 10-year phase-in. Why does this matter to you? Because this is about... Joe Biden trying to tell you he cares about you. He is a charitable person. He is a compassionate person. Government is not compassionate. Government is force that can confiscate your dollars and turn them into pennies. Rush talked about how conservatives define compassion. Here's what he said. What is fair? I mean, nothing, nothing about life is fair. Everything that happens in life, some days are good, some days are bad. Everybody deals with things as they happen. And the left has been very successful in creating this notion that the government is an independent source of money and benevolently distributes it to people in need. But before they get that money, they have to take it from somebody else. Now, we Americans are compassionate people. This is the mitigating fact. We Americans are compassionate people. We don't want people to suffer. The objective, though, is to provide the kind of help that teaches people to eventually learn to provide for themselves, because that's where... Pride in oneself comes from. That's where the sense of achievement comes from, the sense of, of accomplishment. When you do it yourself, when you buy your own car instead of having somebody give it to you, you'll appreciate it much more. You'll care for it better. You'll feel a sense of achievement and accomplishment. This is what the American left doesn't want you to feel, in my opinion. They want people to stay dependent because that's where the American left derives its power, people needing them. We conservatives define compassion this way. Not by counting the number of people who get help and who get aid, but by counting the number of people who don't need it anymore. They've been helped in such a way that they are able now to go out and be self-sufficient and productive and contributing to society. The American welfare system got so bloated at one point that it became profitable for unmarried women to have kids because the government, state and federal, would pay them to take care of them. This led to all kinds of dissolution of families in certain poor communities around the country because it obviated the need for a father. If the government is going to pay you to have a baby or a series of babies, what do you need to get married? What do you need a man around for? You don't. And this was also part of a devious plan, I think, uh, to create power in government, create need in single women and so forth. These things are very hideous because to me they end up doing great damage to people. It's not good for the babies born that way. It's certainly not good for the mothers. The government does not ever take your dollars and give them to charitable causes. The government takes your dollars, and then they they look to the House and the Senate to figure out how to parse out those dollars to various groups that are preferred in this way or that way. In 2018, the American people donated, and this is a real number, $427 
billion dollars in charitable money. $427 billion in charitable donations. Free will, voluntary donations. The government is unable to do that. Why? Because the very government that's going to spend $200 billion to get you pre-K education and family leave and all those sorts of things that they're going to call charity or benefits or whatever they want to label them is the same government that will spend billions of dollars subsidizing Planned Parenthood and will spend billions of dollars keeping children in underperforming schools in the inner city and will take government programs to go in and and ensure that the streets are not as safe as they could be because they're they're going to start targeting police departments. It's the same government that will tell you one day, don't wear a mask, the next day, wear a mask. The government's not your friendly, fuzzy teddy bear. They want you to believe that it is, but it's not. Joe Biden's going to stand there and look incredibly reasonable tonight. The reason why Joe Biden wants to ask for $200 billion for pre-K education is because he knows he's not going to get $200 billion. If you want a $100,000 salary, you go in for a negotiation and you ask for a $200,000 salary. Then you settle on $100,000. Joe Biden is going to shoot for the moon and hope that he gets a piece of that tree three blocks away. That's what he's hoping for. These are aspirational promises that he can continue to use to stoke the fears and to stoke the grievance culture in our country. He knows much of this will not be enacted, but he wants to use it as a wedge issue to make the Republicans and the conservatives look mean and greedy. We're not buying it. We're not believing it because we know how good the American people really, really are. It's not hard. It's math and it's politics. And this party, the Democratic Party, will always run back to the mean. I'm Brett Waterball on the EIB Network. So overhanging all of what it is that we are facing in this country today is the continuing fight against the COVID-19 virus, right, which has uh, been uh, ravaging or not ravaging now, but at one point was ravaging the United States of America. We have seemed to have gotten much more of a handle on it, at least at this point, as people are getting vaccines. We're getting permission to walk around outside without masks on if we're vaccinated and spending time with people who are also vaccinated. I mean, that, that is the ultimate kick line, kick uh, punchline of the uh, of the last uh, number of days. The idea that the CDC comes out and tells everybody you're allowed now to go outside without a mask as long as you're vaccinated and those around you are vaccinated. And the vast majority of people that I know that I've been around didn't even know there was a federal uh, mask mandate on being outside. But the CDC has lifted it. It's been described by people in The New York Post as the CDC's reign of error giving you mixed messaging, telling you all sorts of different uh, d- different things emerging in a given point. Officials are offering mixed messages about masks in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic before embracing them as a simple but effective tool for slowing the spread of COVID-19. That's what the New York Times uh, defines this as. Well, Rush talking about COVID, which would ultimately have a tremendous impact on our economy and our spending and our elections, Uh, Rush talked about COVID and the power of positive thinking in this way. The case fatality rate, again, how many people have tested positive, whatever number that is, versus how many are dying. And that gives you the morbidity rate. As far as I'm concerned, uh, personally, and being interested in it, that latter way would be of more relevance to me. Because if you don't get COVID-19, 
then the odds of dying from it are pretty slim. So what does it matter what percentage of the population? But if you do get it, okay, now we're talking. Now, what are the odds of survival? Well, that's what you can calculate with the case fatality rate. And that's what Trump said. So these guys, well, he has a different way of thinking. Trump has this really curious thing called positive thinking. It's a philosophy. The idea you say something and you believe it and it happens. I'm telling you, folks, the disconnect between, say, people under 40 and everybody else in terms of traditional human philosophy, American values, it is stunning. No, 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 I'm not naive. I've known all kinds of people make fun of positive thinking. Don't misunderstand. If it happens in a in a specific personal way, not an overall rebuke of the effort or of the mindset. Have these people never listened to professional athletes talk about how they go about their jobs? Have you ever listened to people that play golf? Folks, you cannot be a PGA tournament champion without the ability to think positive and to banish. You not only have to do that, you have to banish negative thoughts about yourself and your ability as often as you can. If you can't do that, you're never going to win. If you get caught up in the I can'ts or the I am horrible, I can't play this game. If you get caught up in that, you're cooked. You're done. You're toast. How many of you have seen Tiger Woods didn't make the cut in the post-round interview talking about how well he thinks he's playing? Just didn't make enough putts or just, you know, wasn't quite good enough off the tee. You never hear these guys saying that they suck. Never. And all professional athletes, I mean, the true champions, and there are very few of those, all of them are the same way when it comes to the notion a positive thing. In fact, I would venture so far as to say that most successful people have a modicum or a portion of their existence that is devoted to positive thinking, that they can do it, that they are good. You can't otherwise achieve great heights if you are obsessed with negativism, particularly about yourself. And here's another thing. How many of you have encountered people who are just constantly negative all the time about themselves and about you and about this? You don't want any part of them. You don't want to hang around them any longer. It's why I've always said to people who ask me advice questions on life, the first thing I do, if you like radio, I said, whatever you do, do not hang around with people who failed at it. They are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. Do not hang around them. They don't want you to succeed because they didn't. Do not, what, and this goes for anybody, in any endeavor, whatever you want to do, make sure you find the people who've succeeded at it. And if you're going to try to learn something from somebody, if you're going to try to be inspired or motivated, do not talk to people who failed, ultimately failed. If you want to talk to people who have succeeded, who experienced failure along the way and how they dealt with it, fine. But you want to find the people who have succeeded, and that's whose brains you want to pick. And what is that? That's positive thinking. That's can-do, the old can-do spirit. And the idea that this is some kind of foreign, 
oddball, weird philosophy that is only useful to salesmen and reality TV stars? No wonder the media is as devoted to negativism as they are. No wonder these people crash and burn every day. No wonder that their lives are dominated by failure, catastrophe, chaos, and so forth. They thrive in it. But I just want to remind you one more time about the media and their purpose here. They know that if realism, if a mature realism of the assessment of where we are as a nation in regard to the economy and COVID-19, if reality replaces panic, then they, the Democrats and the media, are doomed. If we learn to live with it like we have with the flu, that'd be the worst thing possible for them. And again, the flu is far more prevalent out there. It hospitalizes more, it infects more, it kills more in raw numbers. And yet we've learned to deal with it. We've never shut down the country because of it. And if we learn to live with COVID-19, which we're going to have to, by the way, we can't stay sequestered for the rest of our life. We can't stay quarantined. We're going to have to learn to live with it. This is another thing Trump was pointing out. Anyway, to me, that's all nothing more than common sense reality. And the idea that all of that is the essential equivalent of a foreign language to people under 40, what an eye-opener. He is so right, and I can tell you this personally. He, he is so right. Nobody would go out there and buy a book called "Don't Even Bother." <laughs> that, that's just that's how some people are just wired, right? Don't, don't even bother, or, or go to the website don'tevenbother.com. I don't even know if that's a real website, but don't even bother. And Rush talking about being around people who have been successful at things, and specifically when he's talking about uh, don't hang around with people who haven't been successful in radio. If you want to be in radio, I can tell you firsthand that he lived those words and has been a motivation for so many people in every walk of life. And that is what is so cool. That is what is so cool about having, um, having known him the way I, I did and uh, the enduring impact on all of our lives. It is, uh, it's an incredible thing. He really unpacked the mystery there. Coming up next, we're going to let you hear something really special from Rush Something very powerful for Rush. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. Brett Witterbull, your guide host on the EIB Network. Uh, let's go on the phones and check in with Jerry in Houston, Texas, first up. Jerry, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, sir? Well, thanks for taking my call, Brett. Sure. The reason I call is because you caught my attention. We were commenting about uh, Joe Biden's drive to, drive to bring college education values down to zero. And I commented to your screener that if a, some, some student coming out of college earning a degree that did not cost him anything, why would I place any value on that degree? As far as I'm concerned, that degree and the plastic trophy he won, he or she won in the sixth grade are about the same value. <laughs> the simple reason somebody goes into college without putting any skin in the game, you know that student is going to take the path of least resistance. And what he, co- he or she comes out at the end of the process will be a piece of paper that is worth meaningless to me as a business owner. It's a huge point. That's a great point, uh, Jerry. I appreciate that insight in that call. Look, we're hearing about free junior college. We're hearing about free college. 
boy, they sure don't talk about getting a trade or learning a trade or getting trade school training in, in any of this. It's all about going to the elite, feet woke colleges. It's unbelievable. Could easily get you turned awfully negative. But you know what? Rush talked about the power of positive thinking in the previous segment. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about a newly released study out of his home state of Missouri about the key to happiness. These types of studies always interested Rush because he was fascinated with human nature. Here's a little glimpse on what you're going to get to hear. Happiness is an expectation that people have. It's part of being an American. It's in the Declaration of Independence. We declared that the right to pursue happiness is a right granted by God, that it's part of the natural yearning of the human spirit. People are constantly seeking happiness. They're seeking contentment. They're seeking ways out of misery and malaise. So anytime there's a story that comes along and tells people how to do it, I think it's fun to recount it and share with you some of the tips that are offered. Always good stuff to uh, to pick up as you are, are looking at um, the ability to keep that that contentment alive inside you, no matter what it is that you're doing. We'll share this study in the third hour. The fact that Rush was right about its findings. Now, if you called this program in the past 20 years, dialing 800-282-2882, and you got through, you talked to James Golden playing the role of Snurdly on this program. He was the one who decided if you were going to get to talk to Rush. Might be one of the toughest positions here, given all that was required of the caller. It was also a front row seat to this program. Two weeks from today, you'll hear James Golden hosting a new podcast about our Rush. Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the Golden EIB microphone. A new podcast hosted by yours truly, James Golden, or as many of you know me, Bo Snurdly. Come with me behind the scenes for an exciting and intimate look at the man who changed America as we know it. Coming Wednesday, May 12th to iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your Thank favorite you, podcast. Presented by My Pillow and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. It is going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go back out on the phones and check in with Ken in Livonia, Michigan. Ken, what's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to comment that uh, as uh, Joe Biden uh, prepares to uh, give his speech to the nation tonight, I thought it would be nice to take a step back in time, uh, go back to uh, when uh, Rush Limbaugh gave a speech to CPAC. This was right after uh, Barack Obama won the presidency the first time around. Mm -hmm. And Rush made a very important comment, and I want to uh, say ditto, ditto, and apply it to Joe Biden and the Democrats today where uh, Rush said he hoped that uh, Barack Obama's presidency was a failure. And Rush knew exactly what he was talking about because of the direction that our country was going in. And so uh, remember that, people. Look at the direction that the Democrats, Joe Biden, and Kamal Harris want to take our country. A direction I don't think you want to go to. And I wanted to say, Rush... You got it right the first time, and diddle, diddle, now to Joe Biden. Ken in Livonia, Michigan, thank you for checking in. Uh, A little peek into the later hours of the program. We're going to have something very special to prepare you for Biden's speech tonight. I'm Brett Witterbull, in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Brett Witterbull, in as your guide host on the EIB Network. 
it's getting to be pretty clear that this uh, this administration wants to pay people not to go to work, not to go to work. In fact, one of the proposals that you're going to hear from House Democrats is to make a permanent $300 monthly check to parents from the Biden stimulus. The Biden's Biden's got stimulus. I thought the taxpayers were providing the stimulus. Biden's got a a separate stimulus. Is that the 10 percent we heard about? Biden's got a stimulus package, a pile of money. Well, yeah, the uh, the Democrats in the House want to have in perpetuity 300 bucks going out uh, to parents out there uh, across the fruited plain. Remember when we were all fascinated by Andrew Yang and his notions of uh, that 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 socialist program of universal basic income? That's the ultimate objective. In fact, we were mentioning earlier in the program that this is an administration that's looking to subsidize unemployment to pay you not to work. The government is doing that. And in one specific sector, it's hurting them the most. Restaurants, restaurateurs are suffering. We've got details on this straight ahead in your phone calls at 800-282-2882. Brett Witterbull, it is your guide host on the EIB. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. 
Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. And thank you. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here with the greatest audience in all of talk radio and all of media. I am Brett, and I'm happy to be here. Our number, 800-282-2882. And question this hour is, why would you lay in a hammock when the government is giving you a souped-up lazy boy? Oh, the world of restaurants and dining establishments. You know, restaurant owners are reopening their restaurants, but do you know what's missing? The staff. Many of them are getting... $600 or $700 a week from their state unemployment office and another $300 from the federal government. All of that post-tax money. It's all government money one way or another, but at $1,000 a week. Who wants to go back and wash dishes, cook food, wait on tables when you can collect the cash and stay at home? When this whole shutdown started, you had everyone from elected officials to billionaires suggesting restaurants shut down and stay shut down. It's an awful large number of small business owners involved here. All of them are affected. Rush had fun at the expense of one of the billionaires last year. Here's how that sounded. Which takes me back to this Bill Gates story. Bill Gates was on CNN with Jake Tapper. They were talking about the coronavirus pandemic let me get the actual sound bites the transcripts up here where i can here we go all right here we go this is i guess it's sunday morning state of the union is the show jake tapper's the host talking to bill gates about the pandemic and tapper says there's a lot of governors who oppose bringing back these lockdown orders and forcing businesses to close. What do you think? Bars and restaurants in most of the country will be closed as we go into this wave. And I think, sadly, that's appropriate. The next four to six months really call on us to do our best because we can see that this will end and you don't want you know somebody you love to be the last to die of coronavirus. All right, so we have a billionaire here. As far as I know, that's his only qualification. I I, I don't know what Bill Gates' qualification is to determine when we have lockdowns, who gets locked down, for how long do they get locked down, where is his level of expertise, and where is somebody on this show challenging this? He just gets to run around and say whatever he wants to say, and nobody challenges this. And what is he saying? We need to keep closing down businesses. So when did Gates become the expert in this? Why should anybody be taking advice from him? I know he donates a lot of money. I know he's got this foundation where he does mosquito nets in Africa and so forth. He does a lot of things like that. But I'm reading some bloggers here. The bloggers have checked into him. He's not a doctor. And Gates is not a researcher. He's not a professor in any medical field at all. Yet... CNN and a bunch of other news networks very often ask for his opinion on healthcare issues. But he's not a medical expert. And they never question his reasoning. He just gets to pontificate, and it's because he's a billionaire. That's what was Neil Cavuto. It was Cavuto 
who accused Trump of killing people by suggesting hydroxychloroquine. Neil Cavuto, that's exactly right. I appreciate the reminder. Now, Tapper asked Gates when he thinks we'll be able to get back to uh, some form of normal life. Gates predicts late summer. Late summer, we're going to get back to normal life. Well, how about the bar and restaurant owners that Gates wants to shut down for six more months? How in the world are they ever going to be able to reopen? They are going to be wiped out. They cannot withstand a six-month shutdown or a six-month lockdown. These are small business owners. Restaurants and bars are small businesses. They're never going to be able to get back to a quote-unquote normal life if they are shut down for six months like Bill Gates wants to shut them down. How are they going to pay the mortgages on their businesses? How are they going to pay the mortgages on their homes? Now, billionaires don't have these concerns. Billionaires are not worried about mortgage payments and other bills that have to be paid. These people that own these bars and restaurants, they just want to stay open. They want their employees working. They, they, they do not want six months of a shutdown or lockdown. Gates said the next four to six months really call on us to do our best because we can see that this will end. And you don't want somebody that you love to be the last to die from coronavirus. Gates actually said, uh, you know, early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease and we get high vaccination rates in our country, the risk of reintroduction will be there. And of course, the global economy will be slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. This is obviously somebody out of touch. I know it's a, an accusatory thing to say because, you know, we kind of celebrate billionaires in America. Well, some of us do. Some people equate being a billionaire with being brilliant. And uh, that's not necessarily the case at all. But, I mean... Bill Gates says more shutdowns needed. Six months shutdown, bars and restaurants. That's the last thing that's needed. That is the last thing that's going to be helpful. Shutdowns don't advance anything. They just delay the inevitable. I don't think it's about science. I think it's about destroying capitalism. You can't get more capitalistic than American small business, can you? I mean, that's the essence of capitalism. The vast majority of uh, jobs in this country are produced by small business, not major big-time corporations. And if you go after the small businesses, if 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 you succeed in shutting them down, then you can bring about the changeover to socialism by blaming these bars and restaurants, by blaming American small business for the problems that we're having with COVID-19. If you succeed in convincing enough Americans that these small businesses are the problem, then you shut them down. You blame small business as it is. That can then be said to be capitalism is the problem. And then the solution will be government. Government will come in and fix whatever happens. Government will make the, the owners of these businesses whole. We'll do something. We'll, we'll protect them. But I think the objective here is not science and it's not 
to somehow save people from getting COVID-19. It's not to stop the spread. It is about promoting globalism and getting rid of American capitalism. Uh, This is the obstacle that Donald Trump was. Trump, his campaign, Make America Great Again, was purely rooted in American capitalism. Revitalizing America, bringing jobs back that had been lost because of globalism, and he succeeded in doing it. I mean, more than anybody ever dreamed of. So now that they think they have gotten rid of Trump, now it's time to get rid of Trumpism. That means get rid of small business, get rid of capitalism, uh, and get back to the direction we were going under Barack Obama. We were headed toward globalism. And that is the prescription to fix this whole problem. Globalism. As Rush said, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, those phrases that you hear being thrown around by the elites, that's the plan. The plan is to just not have you have to get up and go to work every single day. You just you stay home and you collect a check. We provide a house for you. We provide public transit for you. We provide uh, schooling for your children starting at age two. You're going to be just fine. You don't have to do anything. You just stay there and and reap the benefits. And we just we take care of you. Why? Why do you have to work? That's the notion of the Great Reset coming out of the pandemic. And the number is, is really quite startling when you think about the number of restaurants that failed as a result of the shutdowns. A hundred and ten thousand minimum was the number at the end of 2020. 110,000 dreams, restaurants, went under in that year, and they were targeted in a brutal way by billionaires like Bill Gates, and they were targeted in a, in, in a brutal way by politicians, unelected health directors, you name it. Remember all those, those videos you'd see of those restaurants, especially out on the West Coast, where they'd come in and they'd they'd padlock the doors, and if the people tried to sell food outside, they'd they'd go and uh, have those people arrested. Uh, there, there's a number of places. A very famous uh, restaurant in the San Fernando Valley called uh, Pineapple Hill was the center of this. They closed the woman down who was running that restaurant in in uh, in the San Fernando Valley, and then that same day, Garcetti green lit a a movie shoot using her parking lot. Of the bar that had, bar and restaurant that had been shut down, using her parking lot as a staging uh, point for a movie crew. Steny Hoyer is a senior leader. He's the majority leader in the House of Representatives. He said recently the six hundred dollar weekly supplemental jobless benefits were quote very very hard for any employer to replicate. That's triumphalism at the at the idea of putting businesses under so the government can subsidize unemployment. And I'm talking about paying people $600 plus $400, $1,000, as we mentioned out of that piece in Just the News, paying all that money to stay idle rather than being a working, productive person. 110,000 restaurants went under during the coronavirus, forced to shut down. There will be no mention of that tonight at the speech in Washington, D.C., nor for the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, who lost their jobs tied to that industry. They don't write the big checks like Wall Street and Hollywood do. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network.
And welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh Show. Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. Big news coming out of the Washington Post. Remember when they were doing their big fact-checking thing and they said that uh, Donald Trump told 55 trillion quadrillion lies uh, during his presidency. Remember that? It was, I just, it was so tedious an adventure to go on as they were saying, we're going to count every single lie of the Trump presidency and we're going to post an article about all the lies that he tells. Well, the Washington Post has decided that there are no lies coming out of the Biden administration. This uh, bit of reporting coming from the Washington Times, the Washington Post is calling a lid on the presidential fact-checking database 100 days into the Biden administration. Now, Glenn Kessler, who is the editor and chief writer of the Fact Checker, tweeted late Monday that the team would continue to fact-check President Biden rigorously, but would no longer maintain the database started under former President Trump. Here's the Biden database which we do not plan to extend beyond 100 days, Mr. Kessler tweeted. I have learned my lesson. Oh, oh, okay. So turnabout isn't fair play there, Glenn Kessler. We mentioned in the last hour the proposals coming out of the the Biden American Families Plan. Uh, He is uh, going to promise uh, universal pre-K. He's going to promise free junior college. He's going to promise free college, college. And I asked a question, where's any mention of the trade schools, learning a trade, uh, getting out there so that you can get employed as quickly as you possibly can without having to sit there listening to, you know, some crazy professor like uh, Elizabeth Warren tell you that your country is awful. Well, Casey in Modesto, California is joining us up next right on this. Uh, Casey, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Uh, So I just wanted to comment about the, uh, sorry, the, uh, Free college for sure. I don't. I'm not for that. Um, I was blessed enough. I used to be a total, complete reject. Uh, was in prison and was released and was able to get a grant to uh, truck driving school uh, by the federal government. You know, and if that, I would still be doing stupid stuff. So when did you get? When did you get your trade? When did you get your CDL? Uh, about four years ago. So under the under the Donald Trump presidency, is that when that happened, or or uh, yeah? We, okay, and yeah. so and so you were able to turn your life around, get a CDL, get out there and start earning money in a, in a straight great job, and that was made possible because of the encouragement of a trade. Yes. See that and is the great. One, the one stipul the one stipulation with it was I had to have uh, registered for the draft when I was eighteen. If I hadn't done that. I would have been ineligible. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm happy that you turned your life around. I'm happy that you successfully picked up a, a vocation, and now you're out there, a productive member of society. We appreciate you being out there, Casey, and uh, uh, all the best to you, and thank you for checking in today. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. That's Casey. We go next. Let's uh, check in with Audie, Cincinnati, Ohio. Audie, uh, welcome to the program. What are your thoughts on the pre-K Biden plan there? Well, um, the thing that I'm particularly concerned about is that he, they, the, 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 they, they, wanted, they want us to give our children to these programmers <laughs> to be programmed from, two, from age two to four so that they are they are empty-headed useless kids 
uh, yep. and, and send the wives off to work so that they can pay more tax. And, and I mean, it, it's just absolutely incredible that, that people would actually think about doing that to their children. I mean, right now, even even in, in grade school and in high school, mm-hmm. the the uh, programming is just unbelievable, and and the, and the lies that they're teaching are 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 just unbelievable. Well, it's see, it, it's it's an important point that you raise, there, Audie, because um, we're talking about beefing up, uh, for lack of a better word, I don't want to I don't want to alienate the environmentalists, but we're talking about beefing up the ranks of teachers, right? We know the Biden administration in the speech tonight wants to add a hundred thousand teachers, uh, a diversity of, of of folks coming in and and to teach a diverse uh, sort of uh, curricula, right? That that's going to be taught to the students out there. Now it's very important, as we have all learned, right? You, you remember Captain Planet and all the stuff that we heard about. It's important to get these kids young and thinking on the right track if you are any kind of an indoctrination person. You want to get them as young as you can. So if you can get them at age two and start teaching them about uh, George Washington was evil, the founding fathers were evil, capitalism is bad, Antifa's your friend. I mean, you can imagine what the instruction is going to be like starting at a young age. You can imagine what the guest speakers and the field trips will uh, field trips will be like as those kids get older and older, moving into in, into pre-K and then, of course, kindergarten. Uh, you'll be getting the full programming potential so that by the time that child comes out at age uh, whatever it's going to be, if, 18, right? Uh, on the way out to head to free junior college or free college, they're going to be fully trained, armed, prepared Maoists. I mean, it's going to be a remarkable thing. And 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 Biden and his his handlers and his assistants are working very hard to make sure that that is what is going uh, to happen. That is that is a, a a hard objective they are seeking. August is in beautiful White Lake, Michigan. Welcome to the show, August. Well, thank you so much, sir, and you nailed it, because it is a beautiful part of southern Michigan, without right. a doubt, which is, in my opinion, one of the greatest states in the country, and we've got many of them. So that's what makes this country so beautiful. Amen. My Amen to you, sir. And my point is, I'm all for freedom. Yep. I am willing, I'm willing to give my life for freedom. But what I'm not willing to do is allow free stuff. Mm-hmm. Because free stuff demotivates. Yep. And I'm going to keep this very clean, but two of my favorite four-letter words is love and work. Nice. Because when you work, when you do something, and it could be simple stuff, painting a wall, going home and planting a new plant. That's right. No matter where you live. Right. No matter where you live, you see it the next day, you enjoy it. You sit back and go, wow. That's right. It's achievement. It's achievement you're talking about. You've achieved something. It's a hugely important point. You go out, if you buy a car with the dollars you earned working a job, that is different than if somebody gives you a car. It's nice to be given a car. Make no mistake about that. But when you do it and you're young and you accomplish it, you feel edified for the rest of your life. That's the American dream and the seeds we should plant. Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. So just a few weeks ago, I was here behind the golden EIB microphone and uh, a caller named Monty from North Carolina called into the program, said he wanted to teach a course at his alma mater on Rush. 
was a great idea because there's so much you can learn from listening to this program every day. Rush covered numerous subjects and was the best teacher we ever had, which is why we're continuing to share his words and wisdom every single day. Speaking of which, we have a monologue of Rush explaining who pays taxes. It's a must-listen. We're going to play Mulvaney, the uh, who is a Rush baby. We've interviewed him for the Limbaugh letter, and he is the director of office and management and budget. You know, it turns out yesterday I was wrong about something, and it's rare when I'm wrong. It's so rare people love pointing it out. I thought yesterday that the top top one percent are paying forty, and the top ten percent were paying sixty percent of total tax revenue. Now this came there was a. There was a poll, it's a Fox News poll, and it's got some of the screwiest results in it. It's something like 80% of the American people don't think the rich are paying enough. Uh, Unusually high numbers of people who think the middle class are paying too much. And none of that is accurate, but it's what people think. And so that's why there's not going to be a tax rate cut for the top 1%. Or maybe even top 5% because of that polling data. There's not a politician in the world that wants to be seen giving the rich a tax cut when 80% of the people or 78% think the rich aren't paying enough already. But the real numbers are even more shocking. Try this, folks. 95% of all taxes are paid by the top 20%. That is an all-time high It has never been there. Last night, Georgetown University, Mick Mulvaney, who is the director of the Office of Management and Budget, spoke about Trump's tax reform plan. And the moderator was somebody named Kathy Koch. And she said, the way that benefits of this tax cut falls across different income taxes is going to be a real arithmetic trick. Does anybody know what that question means? This is the moderator of the event. Let me read the question. The way the benefits of this tax cut falls, it should be the way the benefits of this tax cut fall, but the way the benefits of this tax cut falls across different income taxes is going to be a real arithmetic trick. What is the different income taxes? Now, I your host, know what she meant. She's the way the benefits of this tax cut fall across the different rates, the different brackets, is going to be a real arithmetic trick. No, it isn't. There's no trick here. There aren't any arithmetic tricks. Arithmetic math is just pure logic. Anyway, here's Mulvaney's answer to whatever that question Top was. Top 20% pay 95% of the taxes. If you break the income tax universe into what we call quintiles, so equal-sized 20% columns, the first two columns, the first quintile and the lower quintile, don't pay any taxes at all. In fact, they net positive. We pay them when they file up a tax return. That middle quintile, which you might describe, some people do, as middle class, pays an effective rate in the low single digits. And all of the taxes are paid by folks in the top two quintiles. And that last quintile pays almost fully 95%, I think, of the tax. This is just unreal. Now, if, if you're still confused about a quintile, it's just dividing by five instead of by quarters. So they're dividing the taxpayers into five different groups here. 
and each one of them equals 20%, obviously. So the top 20%, that top quintile, 95% of all income taxes. The top 20%. Now, let me give you another startling statistic. Now, this is not going to be exact because I haven't seen the recent revision of this. But five years ago, this was true. If you earned $55,000 a year, you were in the top 10% of income earners in America. Is that not shocking as well? Now, we think of the top 20% as the gazillionaires, the billionaires, the millionaires, and they're in there. But you really need to go to the, the top 1% to get the gazillionaires and the billionaires and the top 5% to pick up everybody that are the millionaires. And maybe that wouldn't even do it. Maybe the top 2%, 3 at most, is what you would do if you want to include millionaires in this. So the top 20%, that's a pretty broad income spectrum there. It still is just unreal that the top 20% are paying 95% of all tax revenue. And you balance that against what the Fox News poll yesterday, nobody is aware of this. Well, not nobody you are, because we've made this a seminal point of this program for all of the years that we have, uh, we've been here, because it, it matters. But a full 80% of taxpayers are paying 5%. And as Mulvaney said, the bottom 50%, or the bottom 40 in this case, are paying nothing and, in effect, are being given a refund every year via the earned income tax credit. There simply isn't any truth to the notion that the rich are not paying their fair share, and there isn't any truth to the notion that the middle class are paying most of the burden. And then Mulvaney... Now, this gets tough to listen to because it's numbers, but he tries to explain uh, the math behind this so-called tax cut for the rich. People always ask at the time, why do you guys want to give a tax cut to the rich? Here's the math. We have a progressive tax system, which means that if you make a million dollars and I make $50,000, we both pay the exact same rate on the first, let's say, $20,000. And then from the next 20 up to my 50 and her next 20 to her next 50, we pay the same. I think it's now it's probably 12% or 15. I can't remember where the brackets are right now. And then she goes on to pay her higher rate on the stuff that she makes and I stop, right? Well, if you want to give me in the middle class a cut, you take my 15% rate, say, down to 10%, right? And that gives the middle class a cut. Guess who else benefits from that? She does, because she pays that same rate on the way up the brackets. You could sit there and do nothing but lower the rates on the middle class, and all other things being equal, you're going to give the rich a tax cut. That's Rush breaking down the tax rates, and um, that is the first part. That's the first part. The second part you're going to hear in this next hour uh, you are going to hear a uh, a discussion of of what those numbers mean, but it's it's astounding to think about all the taxes that this new proposal is going to come out with tonight from from uh, President Biden, and he's going to have everybody doing great except for the quote rich. Well, many many wealthy people don't make 
you know, million dollar salaries, right? They're, they're, they're remunerated in a number of ways. They're paid in a number of ways. They get some salary, they get stock options, they get ownership, they get equity, which, which means something totally different in the world of business than what it does in the, in, in the classroom at a community college someplace. So all these things are, it's, there's a dynamic environment out there. It's not, it's not some rich billionaire getting a billion dollars a month paid to him by some company and he's got a closet filled with cash that he can just light his cigars with. And unfortunately, so many people in government, they, they trade on that idea that, that you're not going to really understand uh, the facts. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the Rush Limbaugh Show and the EIB Network. Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the Rush Limbaugh Show and the EIB Network. Snurdly is a household name around here. Rush spoke his name more than anyone. Speaking to him on the other side of the studio glass here at the EIB Network, James Golden is his real name, and he's got a remarkable story to share with you in the form of a forthcoming podcast series. Here he is with the details. Thank you, Brett. You know, Rush did call me snurdly on the air all those years. Yep, when we were together. Off the air, though, I was James. He was Rush. What he accomplished... Both on and off the air, nothing short of remarkable. I'm hosting a new podcast, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone, debuting Wednesday, May 12th, that tells the story. Hear the side of Rush that many of us saw when the microphone was off. Inspiring, uplifting, revealing, caring. You'll find this podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's presented by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and My Pillow. And we are all stoked to hear this podcast and get those behind the scenes insights. Shepard is in Ocala, Florida. Shepard, welcome to the program. Hi, Brett. I called a few days ago, but unfortunately, I had to uh, bow to my business and pick up somebody at the airport. What I wanted to talk about was class envy. Now, I grew up a welfare kid in the Bronx. I'm 60 years old. Gotcha. And with my family, by the way, my father sounded exactly like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so with my family, it was all, oh, believe me, he sounded exactly like Bernie Sanders. Even sure. when he talked, he talked, sounded just like him. Exactly like any, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Anyway, uh, they, with them, it was always tax the rich. Screw the rich. Take it from the rich. Right. They got their money by lying, cheating, stealing, and standing on the backs of the poor. And if they didn't, they were they were just plain lucky and they inherited it. My family not only hated wealthy people, they hated anyone who had even a little bit more than they had. <laughs> if my father owned a Ford and our neighbor down the street owned a Buick, Dad was not happy. Okay, <laughs> fast forward to fast forward to twenty twelve. My dear aunt passed away in New Jersey. Very high tax state. My brother and I were to receive an inheritance. While we were meeting with the executor of her, not enough to make us wealthy, mind you, but enough to make life easier. So we're meeting with the executor, the executor of her will, and he's going over the probate process and approximately what we would receive after taxes. And my brother, typical New Yorker, said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what taxes? And he was explaining all the taxes, and my brother hit the ceiling. He said, wait a minute here. I'm cleaning up what he said. Sure. He said, our aunt and uncle already paid taxes on this money. Why is it being taxed again? 
the irony was so delicious, I couldn't re- resist taking the other side. I said, wait a minute now, Mr. Tax the Rich. We're going to have paid off homes, paid off cars, nice little something in the bank, nice little something in retirement. Don't you think we should pay our fair share? Hmm? And he says, but we're not rich. I said, to some people we are. Now the shoe is on the other foot. How does it feel? Well, he started using some choice language, and the executor stepped in and said, excuse me, gentlemen, this is a legal proceeding. Would you mind keeping your bickering at home? One more thing here. I have written a book series on this class envy garbage. I have experienced class envy within my own class. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you being out there, uh, Shepard. Uh, I'm glad you wrote a book series, and I'm glad that you were able to learn up close and personal and deliver the irony to your uh, to your brother in that regard. This this is this is the incredible reality of things. You 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 are you are totally good until it is your ox being gored. Once your ox gets gored, you you don't want any more gores. Well, Al Gore or any other gore for that matter. I'm Brett Witterbull. I'm your guide host today on the EIB Network. We're going to get back into the policing issues starting in the beginning of this next hour. I'm Brent Witterbull, your guide host on the EIB Network. Let's uh, let's grab a call real quick. John is in Cincinnati, patiently holding on. John, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today, sir? Hi, Brent. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for calling. Wanted to call. Um, I heard you talking about the pre-K stuff that Biden's going to talk about. And uh, I just wanted to kind of talk because when I went through high school, um, never was talked about the trade schools. And uh, I actually ended up in a four-year college, got a four-year degree, and then turned it around. And now I'm actually a welder myself and make over eighty to almost $100,000 uh, without even having to need to use my degree. And, you know, it's just kind of funny how they're talking about, you were talking about, you know, guest speakers coming into the school. I actually kind of go into high school and tell students about how you can get done with this in such a quick time and not have to spend as much money awesome. and make a lot of money. Awesome. That is awesome. There's, how much, okay, how long did it take you to become a welder? Like when you took the training, I, I'm up against clock, but how long did it take you from the beginning till you were a welder? Uh, Ten months. Ten months, and then you're out there and you're able to earn a living, right? Correct. Oh, um, my gosh. Some can make, I mean, if you want to travel, you can make upwards of 150 plus 200,000. Um, but, you know, staying local, I, I, you know, don't have the ability to travel, but, yeah. um, um, you know, you can make you can make a pretty good chunk of money. Jeez, that is awesome. I'm so happy for you, John. Don't tell Biden how much welders make. He'll put them in the top 1%. You know that's going to be the case. But listen to John in Cincinnati. 10 months, you're out there killing it and succeeding. I'm Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. 
Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I am wondering very specifically what we're going to hear from the president tonight in this uh, joint address to the 200 members of Congress. <laughs> because after all, there's only going to be 200 members uh, in the House and the Senate, plus uh, Chief Justice John Roberts present in the chamber because of COVID and security concerns. I'm wondering what President Biden is going to say about the current state of affairs in America's cities and uh, no doubt, as we are, uh, I think we've crossed the threshold now of the one-week anniversary of the conviction of Derek Chauvin there in Minneapolis, and we continue to see uh, incidents uh, taking place across the country, and and certainly nights of unrest and destruction of property, and all all, all those things that come with, uh, with with folks who are who I think are not as interested in protesting to to send a message, but rather are more interested in the destruction of property and and those are people that are not honest brokers when it comes to trying to bring about re- reform reform can be debated discussed considered you name it but the reality is as we look out there across the country we've seen essentially coming up on a, a year of rioting well i think we're 11 months into the rioting if you go to if you go to uh may 30th it's now uh, april the 28th I, I think you've seen about a year of of rioting take place especially importantly you've actually like had just about a solid year of rioting but I'm wondering what the president's going to say tonight about that. He, on the uh, on the announcement of the conviction of Derek Chauvin, referred to America as a systemically racist place. Uh, uh, Vice President Harris uh, echoed and extended those remarks as well. So what is it that this president's going to say about policing? What's he going to say about policing and the role of policing in our culture? The difference between a, a year ago and now is that the police... Men and women in law enforcement across the fruited plain, as Rush would say, have witnessed politician after politician turn their back on the men and women in the front lines of policing. I mean, certainly there is no greater offender than Bill de Blasio there at in New York City. I mean, Bill de Blasio was the original uh, guy who was uh, anti-police 
in a profound way. Now you've got an army of uh, district attorneys around the country who are ardently pro-police, high-profile mayors, Lori Lightfoot, Bill de Blasio, governors, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Andrew Cuomo, of course, uh, who, who are anti-police and anti-policing. And what's happening now is the police are starting to vote with their feet. They're, they're starting to resign their positions. I think retirements are up 75% in New York City. And these are experienced men and women in law enforcement. And let me tell you what they're doing. They're leaving jurisdictions like New York, California, Chicago, and they're going to jurisdictions where they will be respected by people who want law and order and and law enforcement to be uh, an important component of public safety. So what will President Biden say about law and order? What will he say about law enforcement? Well, we know what his Department of Just Us has been saying. Merrick Garland, the attorney general of the United States, has has come out and instigated, uh, instituted a number of uh, uh, investigations into pattern and practices in police departments. Those things usually lead to, of course, consent decrees. And Rush talked about consent decrees and the federalization of local police. Do you realize how often this is happening all over the country? The vandals, the rioters, the looters, none of them are being prosecuted. Why do you think that is? Well, because at the root of it is Black Lives Matter. And everybody is scared to death of them. Literally scared to death of them. And so it's just the path of least resistance. Okay, we catch somebody looting. We catch a bunch of people looting. No prosecution. There's this firm out there that has uh, raised $30 million to bail some of these perps out of jail. You know how much they've spent? As of yesterday, $200,000. So there's $29,800,000 hasn't been spent yet that has been raised on bail for Black Lives Matter and other type perps. Where's that money? Where's that money going? I'll guarantee you that money's going right to the Democrat Party. It's going right to the presidential campaign. It's going right to the Democrat National Committee. What do you mean, where's it going? The only place it can go. All of this talk about these police departments and how racist they are and how bigoted and how out of control they are. Didn't Obama and Eric Holder have the Department of Justice take over something like 36 of these police departments under consent decrees? They took over police departments from Oakland to Baltimore, like they tried in St. Louis, Ferguson, dozens of cities in between. And you know why they did it? These consent decrees are well known. It was the way Obama wanted to federalize local police forces. He and Holder had this as an objective. Federalize everything meaning federal government control over as much as possible, including local policing. 36 American police departments were taken over by the federal government. They were demanded... They were told that they had to do certain things, and if they couldn't, that the consent decree would apply. And they were given impossible conditions to meet. And so a number of these police departments, and I'm not kidding, Oakland, Baltimore, ended up under the control of the federal government. So how can there be any police racism or brutality after police departments have been under the enlightened control of the Obama-Holder administration. How does that happen? 
How is it that places that have been run by the Democrat Party for decades, how is it that there's any racism anywhere in these cities, much less just the police department? The Democrat Party promises to end all of that, and they promise to punish all the people responsible for it, us, conservative Republicans. And yet we don't have a presence in any of these cities where we have any ability to shape the law or regulations. This is all on the Democrat Party. And I'll tell you, I think a lot of these statues coming down and all of this stuff going on is Democrats doing the best to get rid of their symbols of failure. The Democrats are doing everything they can to divert everybody's attention away from what has been decades of failure, failed promises, failed implementations of policy because virtually everything they've been promising particularly minority communities hasn't come to pass the minority communities are angrier today than they've ever been after four trillion dollars of transfer of wealth to the great society programs and the war on poverty all of those things that lbj created listen to shelby Steele. he will tell you that the black community in terms of education, in terms of jobs, in terms of standard of living, they were all doing better, including in Harlem. They were all doing better before the war on poverty, before the Great Society. And he will tell you that the Great Society was not, in the war on poverty, was not, they were not, about actually improving the lives of African Americans. They were all about improving the political prospects of politicians who supported the legislation. It was the greatest example of I care you've ever seen. It had gazillion dollar price tags to it. It had all kinds of blame. It had all kinds of promises. But as we know now, we can watch the country burn in various blue cities after various blue cities and various blue states. And we can see by the evidence in our eyes that there hasn't been anything that the Democrat Party has engaged in that has made one person in the minority community they claim to serve happy. One of the hugely important stories when it comes to law enforcement, and Rush was exactly right on about this in terms of making people happy, one of the unifying political issues out there is the ability to be safely on the streets in your city, in your town. That's just a fact. You know, Rudy Giuliani famously turned around New York City, gets elected in 93, gets reelected in 1997. Do you know when he was reelected in 97, he had an approval rating of 70 percent in New York City because he had cracked down on quality of life crimes and, and crime. You look at what, uh, what what is de Blasio? I don't even know what de Blasio's approval number is. It's like negative six or something. I mean, he, he's he's completely underwater. White people, black people. Men, women, LGBTQ+, you name it. People want safe streets. They want to be able to walk on the streets safely. They don't want criminals running the streets. And when you have major cities in the United States of America, Los Angeles up almost 187% in a murder rate this year, and you have these district attorneys that won't charge uh, criminals, you, you have, uh, of course, these these police officers uh, desperate to try to be allowed to enforce the law, now being told we have to defund, we have to abolish. 
I'm broadcasting today from Charlotte, North Carolina. We have a, a politician in the city council who is who is saying it's time to get rid of armed police, including the SWAT team, because you can just talk it out with people. What happens when that doesn't work? Who do you then call in? Who do you call when the last police officer has walked off the job in a town or in a city or a sheriff walks out in a county? Who, who do you turn to for assistance? Who are you going to call when, God forbid, there's an incident at a school or a hotel or a park or some mass gathering event? Who do you call to save the situation? Who do you call to stop an act of terrorism? These are the questions the progressives do not want to answer because it's easier to cast blame than to offer solutions. The American people always get it right. I'm Brett Witterbull, your guide host today on the EIB Network. Are you missing Rush when the show ends each day? Rush is there for you any time of the day or night. Rush 24-7. That's where you go. Find out what Rush said on any topic. Listen to entire shows. Watch them on the Ditto Cam through the vast audio and video archives available exclusively to Rush 24-7 members by using the easy search function on the site. Join at RushLimbaugh.com. That's RushLimbaugh.com. Choose a monthly subscription or lock in a full year. Rush is always there for you at Rush 24-7. You know, Rush was right. Happiness, it comes from making other people feel good rather than ourselves. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that the surest way to be happy is to seek happiness for others. New research published by a team of psychologists at the University of Missouri, Columbia, suggests that King's words are as true today as they were a half century ago, that our own happiness is, in large part, influenced by the kindness and generosity that we show to others. Here's Rush. It can be said that some of the greatest feelings of satisfaction that people will ever experience are when they've done something for somebody else that that person couldn't do for themselves. For people that experience that, there's nothing like it. It is a great, great, great feeling of... uh, I don't want to belittle it by getting the definition wrong. Satisfaction, achievement, there's something deeply meaningful about it to be able to make a difference in somebody's life in, in a way that they might not be able to themselves. Happiness is an expectation that people have. It's part of being an American. It's in the Declaration of Independence. We declared that the right to pursue happiness is a right granted by God, that it's part of the natural yearning of the human spirit. People are constantly seeking happiness. They're seeking contentment. They're seeking ways out of misery and malaise. So anytime there's a story that comes along and tells people how to do it, I think it's fun to recount it and share with you some of the tips that are offered. But, you know, many people are excellent at giving, as this program is illustrating. But, you know, it is tough to receive. And the older you get, like I, I am lousy at receiving gifts. I've gone into deep training to learn how to receive gifts better because it's the giving. You know, you don't want to take away the pleasure of somebody giving you something by being a lousy receiver. And I'm, I'm not kidding. Really, how many times have you given somebody something and they destroyed your feeling of goodwill by acting, I don't want that, I can't take that, oh, no, 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 yes, and they make you force it on them. Learn to be a good receiver, folks. We can all give, and it's um, actually it's fun to give. There's no question as you get older, and the holiday season, of course, emphasizes this. It's the giving that's fun. Absolutely, the joy on a, 
on a person's face when they're receiving something that they didn't expect you to, to give them is, is a wonderful thing. And Rush was 100% right. Let's go and check in with Tara in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tara, welcome to the program. Thanks. That fit in a little bit with what I was talking about with Rush. He never took gifts because he did not want to owe. I remember time after time he would go to all these big events. He would never take anything. On that point, you either get free stuff or you get freedom. You cannot have both. Mm-hmm. You need to choose. And another thing is I think we are preaching to people uh, Biden is going to sell this free stuff to uninformed and educated. Nothing thing, nothing is free. So, you you know, when you have a politician promising free stuff and another right. promising less stuff, then mm-hmm. the one that promises more is going to have the advantage. Well, sometimes that's the case, Tara, because the person who's offering you more free stuff, sure. But I think it's also possible to offer so much free stuff that you swamp people with it. And at some point, uh, it just becomes a haze, right? If you're going to do, uh, if you're going to do free college, free junior college, you're going to do, uh, you know, uh, universal pre-K. You're going to do earned income tax credits. You're going to do three hundred dollar universal basic income. You can do all this stuff. At some point, people start to tune out. Remember, the people who are up for receiving a lot of this free stuff are not going to be watching this speech tonight. They're not going to be tuned into the to the nuances of this speech. And the reality is most people understand that the things that he's laying out are, are not going to be enacted. He, he came out with that great infrastructure plan, quote, I'm using air quotes, great infrastructure plan last week. And, and people are still going, we don't need it. We don't need it. Well, you know, it's, I it's, think it's that just, too lends itself to our socialism. And yeah. socialism always promises utopia. That sounds great. Yeah. But those promises are never realized. But they still right, and they still have to be delivered by a, a, a group of politicians in Washington, D.C., who are not much interested in continuing to just throw all this money out. Believe it or not, even people like Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat from Arizona, and Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, they don't want to play ball with 90% of this. Great call, uh, Tara, and I appreciate you being out there. Cindy's in Orange County, California. Cindy, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh Show. Thank you. I just wanted to really hit home about the message about free um, pre-K for two, three, four-year-olds. Yes. To me, it's absolutely 100% crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the mom of quadruplets. I have oh, two God boys bless you. and two girls. Yes, bless you. totally blessed. Um, they will be 21 years old at the end of this year, and I had the privilege and honor of homeschooling them for six years. Wow. And... I did that because I, my husband and I sent them to K-1 and 2. We paid our property taxes. We lived in a great neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We're not wealthy, but like we've said before on this show, that according to other people, we are. Sure. But um, we made the decision for me to quit my career and stay home with the kids. And um, even at, with K-1 and 2, when they went to public mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. it was total chaos. I mean, yeah. with four in the same grade, I saw exactly the quality of teaching and what they were teaching. It's a huge point. And after, after second grade, we just decided, you know, we were getting the nudge to homeschool. Yeah. And, um, you know, we took a lot of flack from a lot of people, including family members, um, to make that decision. Sure. And, 
I have to say now with my kids, um, you know, all in college and doing mm. well, um, they thank me for that time. Sure. Because I was able to teach them, you know, um, principles like Tanstoffel. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Ain't that the truth. And they get that. And um, their dad and I, we're not footing the bill for college. I mean, uh, we certainly are helping right. where we can. But with four all the same age, sure. they are working like crazy oh. pay for tuition and everything because I do believe that they need skin in the game. Absolutely. To really appreciate it. Way to go. Oh, gosh, Cindy, you and your husband are, are an absolute are, are an absolute role models, uh, are absolute role models to the people here in this country. We got plenty more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Brett Witterbull on the EIB Network. And it is wonderful to be here. Just to pick up the pieces from that last uh, bit of conversation, it's important to understand when you watch that speech tonight by President Biden that when he talks about universal pre-K and uh, beginning at age two and uh, free community college and 100,000 teachers and all that, understand this. It's not about the children. It's not about the future. It's about the unions. And that's really what we're talking about. But when it comes to paying for this sort of stuff, well, it goes back to taxes. That's what it goes back to. I want you to hear part two of Russia's breakdown of who it is that pays taxes. There simply isn't any truth to the notion that the rich are not paying their fair share. And there isn't any truth to the notion that the middle class are paying most of the burden. And then Mulvaney, now this gets tough to listen to because it's numbers, but he tries to explain uh, the math behind this so-called tax cut for the rich. People always ask at time, why do you guys want to give a tax cut to the rich? Here's the math. We have a progressive tax system, which means that if you make a million dollars and I make $50,000, we both pay the exact same rate on the first, let's say, $20,000. And then from the next 20 up to my 50 and her next 20 to her next 50, we pay the same. I think it's now it's probably 12% or 15. I can't remember where the brackets are right now. And then she goes on to pay her higher rate on the stuff that she makes and I stop. Right. Well, if you want to give me in the middle class a cut, you take my 15 percent rate, say, down to 10 percent. Right. And that gives the middle class a cut. Guess who else benefits from that? She does, because she pays that same rate on the way up the brackets. You can sit there and do nothing but lower the rates on the middle class and all other things being equal. You're going to give the rich a tax cut. Now, let me walk you through this. Did did you did you understand? Yeah, it's tough when you're using numbers. It's really tough when you're using numbers. I'm going to use different examples than the Office of Management and Budget Director. I'm going to use 100,000 because it gives us more room to play here. We've got the brackets. We'll use the brackets of 39, 35, 28, and 15. And we're talking about income of $100,000. If you make a million dollars... You still make 100000 to start with. Not all of your million dollars is taxed at the same... Well, now, in the case of millionaires, it is. In the case of millionaires, they don't step through this. They charge you 39% on pretty much everything. So let's, let's say it's income at $500,000. The person that makes $100,000 will pay on the first 10000 or 20000 he earns the 12% or 15% rate. And then the next bracket of that 100000 he earns, you'll pay at 28%. And then the last percentage of that 100000 he earns, he will pay the top rate of 35 
That's the marginal rate. The marginal rate is the last rate you pay on the income you earn. So if you earn $100,000 and somebody earns fifty, you pay the same percentage on the income that's equal, $50,000. The person making 100 earns 50 first, and the person earning 50, they pay the same rates on that $50,000. Then the guy that's earning 100 has two more rates to pay on his way. He'll have 28% and 35%. Now, I don't know where the 35 kicks in, but the point is the guy earning 100 is paying the same percentages on half of his income as the person making 50. Mulvaney's point is, if you cut the 12% rate and the 15% rate, you're also going to be cutting that rate for the guy making 100 because the first 50 he makes will also be subject to the new lower rates. So his point is, when you lower rates for the middle class... You cannot help but lower rates for everybody because everybody is going to be subject to all of those brackets up to the total taxable income they report. And we're talking taxable income here, $100,000 versus 50. So the person earning 50 will pay taxes. Well, actually, this person doesn't pay much at all, but in, in the math example we're using, that person would pay a percentage at 12 and a percentage at 15 and be done. The person making 100 would pay the same 12 and the same 15 up to his first 50, but then two more rates kick in for him, uh, 28 and 35, on his way to 100 grand. But those first two rates, the 12 and the 15, if they're cut to 10 and 12, they're going to be cut to 10 and 12 for everybody. So Mulvaney's point is you cut the middle class tax rates. It is axiomatic, it's automatic, and it is unavoidable that the rich are going to get the same tax cuts on the first $50,000 they earn. Not everything, just the first fifty. So that's what he was trying to explain here. Let me give you one more stat here, folks, to illustrate who really pays taxes. What's the population in New York City? Give me the number. What's... No, I'm just the city. I'm not talking about the tri-state area. Eight million people. Well, it's probably seven and a half because half a million probably have left since the last time. But we'll figure eight million, okay? Would you believe that one half of New York City's tax revenue, eight million people, one half of the city's income is paid by 34,500 people. They are the rich. They are the people not paying their fair share. 34,500 people out of 8 million are paying nearly half, or as Clinton would say, contributing nearly half of the city's taxes. You remember Clinton, when he was raising everybody's taxes, referred to them as contributions. We needed more contributions from people. And uh, But see, even these facts are not going to sway anybody. It's just etched in stone that the rich don't pay their fair share, that the rich get all these tax breaks, that the rich aren't paying anything, and that the middle class is bearing the full burden. 
and people believe it because the Democrats have been, it's not, hell, it's not just Democrats, media, everybody's been spreading that BS for decades, and it's become part of the traditional class. So, again, people will think that, well, it's just a rich guy getting stuck with that. But if the rich guy owns a business that's employing people in the borough of Manhattan, in, in the city of New York, or in any of these places that are high tax, and they decide, well, I'm getting hit twice because I'm getting hit now at the local I'm getting hit at the federal. Oh, and I'm getting hit on my capital gains for any investments I make. Oh, and I'm paying that other side of uh, Obamacare. And oh, if I go to 50 employees, now I'm going to get hit on a bu- You think about how all this stuff adds up and you've got property taxes. People start to say, you know what? It's I'm going to I'm just going to leave. Why did why did all those corporations leave the United States to go overseas when you had uh, President Trump then uh, passed that corporate tax cut to move back to the United States to repatriate trillions of dollars. Why Why was that? Why did they flee the United States? Because the tax rate was too high. Individuals, individuals who own businesses, individuals who own uh, franchises, individuals who are investors, money is mobile. You can take your money anywhere. You, you can, you can, Fold up a corporation here and, and put it someplace else around the, the world and, and open it there and pay a lower rate. But see, that that's the scary part of what Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, is talking about. Because she's going around to all these other countries, 25, 30 countries, saying we need a global minimum tax rate. Meaning an agreement that we all come to that says nobody goes below 25% on the corporate rate or nobody goes below 28% on the corporate tax rate. Because we need to not only pick the pockets of the wealthy and the strivers, those people attempting to become wealthy, those people creating wealth, but we need a way to put them up against the wall and take the, po- take the wallet out of their pocket so that they can't escape from us and go hide out in Ireland or Gibraltar or Singapore or what have you. You want to talk about collusion. Collusion to keep your dollars out of your account is what they've got cooked up. They'll never talk about it that way, though. They're talking about tax fairness. Coming up next, a high note. Brett Witterbull, your guide today on the EIB Network. So as so many of you know, Rush loved to have fun and laugh. He had one of the best senses of humor I've, I've ever been around. He always said all good comedy has an element of truth to it. And for today's EIB high note, we thought we'd bring you some of his unique ways of describing people like only he could. One of the techniques that I have employed over the years to paint pictures. Radio has no TV, obviously no screen, so the host paints the picture, the audience envisions the picture in their own mind. That's why radio, by the way, can be the most intimate of all media. Done right, radio can have much more intimacy and much more impact than television because it'll all be active participation rather than passive. A little montage here of two and a half minutes of how I employ this technique. Have you ever, by the way, heard of a better name for a CEO of an oil company? Rex Tillerson. And he looks like a Rex Tillerson. John Kerry looks like Lurch from the Adams Family. The pajama boy, Ossoff. My security guy, Joseph Stalin, that Russian ambassador, 
Sergei Kizliak. He looks like Alfred E. Newman with a hundred more pounds. If I occasionally slip up and call Scaramucci Tom Hagen, it's on purpose. Chris Cuomo Fredo of the Cuomo family. This Jim Acosta guy. You ever had a cat? Pet cat, you got one of these red laser pointers. The ferret-like Paul Krugman. Nora O'Donnell. Her bathwater can't possibly stink. John Edwards, the Breck girl. Susan Herchner. Look like drag this woman out of a casket. Chatsworth Osborne Jr. This would be Tucker Carlson. That is a pretty good comparison. Tom Dashel, Eddie Haskell. I saw Ichabod Crane on TV this morning. It's Austin Goolsby. You know, one bald guy looks like every other bald guy to me. Al Gore. The guy's starting to look more and more like Rodney Dangerfield. It's uncanny. Rod Blago Blagojevich, who looks like a Cabbage Patch doll. Andrew Napolitano, the adult Eddie Munster. Tariq Aziz, one of Saddam's henchmen, looks like Felix the Cat. Kucher is a great guy. Got Joker-like cheekbones. Neil Gorsuch. The man really is Jimmy Stewart. Martin Savage, CNN lifer. He looks just like the Ken doll. John Roberts, cookie-cutter anchor. James Carble, serpent head. Dana Perino. She's got this piano teacher look in her eyes, waiting for a mistake. Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz. She's doing something to her hair. Looks like mayonnaise. Wolf Blitzer, who if it weren't for his varicose veins, would be totally colorless. I'm sitting here watching Hillary. Is it just me, or is she starting to look more and more like Mao Zedong? Hillary Clinton as Nurse Ratchet. The nurse, the evil, bullying, mean-spirited nurse from the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Sounds like your ex-wife screaming at you. So this is some examples. You can see the visuals over at RushLimbaugh.com. So if you go over to RushLimbaugh.com, you can see these examples that we have laid out for you, that Rush laid out for you, on the different uh, nicknames and descriptors of those people. I'm sorry, I'm I'm laughing because those are like the funniest things I've heard in years all put together. Um, It's really uh, awesome. Go to RushLimbaugh.com. Some of the pictures are just spectacular. They're all spectacular. Just go check it out and show your friends. Make it go viral. We're all looking forward to hearing a new podcast series coming our way. You can subscribe to it today and get ready to hear a dozen great episodes of storytelling all about the -the off-the-air Rush Limbaugh, the man who put his very best effort into preparation for this program. Few people witnessed it in the way that James Golden did, or as Rush referred to him, Bo Snurdly. Thank you, Brett. You know, Rush did call me Snurdly on the air all those years. Yep, when we were together. Off the air, though, I was James. He was Rush. What he accomplished, both on and off the air, nothing short of remarkable. I'm hosting a new podcast, Rush Limbaugh, the man behind the golden EIB microphone, debuting Wednesday, May 12th, that tells the story. Hear the side of Rush that many of us saw when the microphone was off. Inspiring, uplifting, revealing, caring. You'll find this podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Presented by MyPillow and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. I'm stoked, I'm excited to hear it, and I'm looking forward to it. Stay right there. When we come back, I've got one very special thing for you from Rush. So as you well know, we've got this big speech coming up tonight, and uh, we're all going to be watching with rapt attention, listening to uh, what the president has to say, what he's offering up, what he wants us to, uh, to understand. Rush, in anticipation of Biden's big speech tonight, Rush would have wanted us to have a little fun like we've done with past speeches. Hey folks, you want to have a little fun tonight? 
Yeah, it might be a little fun. We used to suggest this when I hosted my television show. Whenever a Clinton press conference or State of the Union speech or something was coming up, we'd tell people to make signs. Little signs you could tape to the TV screen to remind you what you were watching so as to keep focused uh, rather than be lulled by what you were hearing. So with Obama speaking tonight, if you want to have some fun, just prepare something that fits on your screen that you can read from where you're watching and put it on a lower fourth of the screen. And it says something along the lines of, this off the top of my head here, I don't know what I'm talking about. I have no experience. Make up one of your own to remind you. That's what you can do tonight, folks. Pick up that trick from the Obama speeches and apply it to the Biden speech tonight. I mean, you, you could say, I don't know what I'm talking about. You could, you could say, I, I don't know who wrote this speech for me. Who are these women standing behind me? Is it time for bed yet? Are there going to be cookies when I get home? Uh, where's my 10%? No, that's, see, now we're starting to get a little chippy. I'm going to spend all of your money. You could just have any number of messages up there brought to you by the CCP. I mean, whatever you want to say. You could just take whatever shot you want there uh, in terms of the uh, the commentary. And you could even make a bunch of post-its and just kind of rotate them throughout the speech just to keep it fresh. Just to keep it fresh. That's what you got to do. That's going to do it for me. I'm Brett Waterball. I've been your guide host today. I'll be back again tomorrow as we break down the speech. Be well on the EIB Network. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer.